She was a mother struggling with grief. She was just devastated by the loss. Her daughter was murdered. Your child's not supposed to die before you. Had her pain finally proven too much? She was self-medicating. Which we believe led to some type of substance abuse. And her secret life would lead to dangerous encounters. She turned into a different person. When she gets cracked and everything, she's like a doctor's actual mishap. She gets in that stage where she like women, you know? She like, she like what now? She like women. She wanted to have some type of romantic or sexual encounter with her. This possibly could have been a crime that involved a sexual assault. Now police are left wondering how one woman's hidden desire could have led to such an awful end. The cause of death was a gunshot wound to the back of the head. When you're shot in the back of the head, that's pretty much an execution every time. And so the question becomes, could those two things be related? August 27, 2013. It's a sweltering Tuesday afternoon in Jackson, Mississippi, a deep south city of nearly 175,000. Jackson is central Mississippi. Of course, we are the capital of the state. Jackson is a very rich place with a lot of culture, a lot of different people of all different races and things like that. But you still had a regular amount of crime in some areas. And you do have the harder areas where you are going to have a lot more crime. All those troubles seem miles away that afternoon as a deacon from a prominent Jackson church walks the church's property on the city's far western fringe. This particular property was kind of out a little bit. It's essentially a church-owned park with a riding and walking trail around a small lake. So the deacon, he maintains the property, and he also collects fishing fees from individuals that they allow to fish. But that afternoon, the deacon notices something unusual. There were quite a few buzzards circling over the area on the property. He thought somebody left some trash. Although, as he gets closer, the deacon realizes that it isn't trash the birds are circling. It's a dead body. He was pretty shocked when he saw something that looks like a body covered in plastic and immediately called 911. This Deacon Roberts, yes, I need the police immediately. Police then contacted the Robert Homicide Division of Jackson Police Department to respond to the address. When detectives arrive, they find what appears to be the body of an African-American woman. Police arrive and they do ascertain that she's been shot in the head. The body has no ID and is decomposed beyond recognition. We figured that the body had been there at least five days. Despite the fact there is no identification on the scene, detectives believe they know the dead woman's name. Based on a recent missing persons report, the victim matches the description of Jackson resident Felicia Spann. 41-year-old Felicia Spann's life had always centered on her two daughters, 
Felicia and Quintina Miller. Felicia was a single mom raising two daughters basically on her own. It was a struggle, but Felicia never let it get her down. She seemed to be a fun person, a outgoing person. And by 2010, the single mom was looking forward to the next stage in her life. With her daughters almost grown, Felicia could finally start thinking about herself. But that spring, Felicia's life took a horrific turn. Felicia Spann's daughter, Felicia Miller, was killed. Her daughter was in the West Jackson area, which is near a major corridor of the I-20 highway. She is shot and left for dead. She was only 16 years old. Sorry for your loss, Miss Payne. We're going to find out who did this. No. No. What is it, Mama? Detectives identified her daughter's boyfriend, 18-year-old Jawan Moore, as a suspect. The couple had gotten into an argument earlier that evening. We believe that there may have been more than one individual possibly involved. But ultimately, Jawan Moore was arrested, and he was charged with her death. But despite having a suspect in custody, the investigation stalled. We didn't get a lot of information some individuals didn't want to speak to police, but some of these individuals gave conflicting information or evidence. There were just no witnesses or forensic evidence that tied him to the shot that killed his girlfriend. As a result, the DA dropped all charges against Jawan, and no one else was ever charged. Heartbroken by her daughter's death, Felicia was convinced that justice had failed. There was no closure to that case. The pain that she was going through was too much. Your child's not supposed to die before you. Devastated by the tragedy, Felicia struggled to keep going. She turns to various ways to comfort herself and to take the, the pain away. Unfortunately for Felicia, she turned to drugs to mask all the pain she was going through. She was looking for any comfort, any solace that she could find. Felicia's mother and daughter, Quintina, stood by her, hoping she could eventually overcome the trauma of her other daughter's tragic death. When someone is going through addiction, it's usually it is a coping mechanism. There is some pain there that they're trying to solve. Her family had obviously hoped that as time went on, she'd find a way to handle her grief without the use of drugs. Felicia also tried finding comfort in romantic relationships, but her grief kept her from making a meaningful connection. And even three years after her daughter's murder, Felicia still struggled. Drug use impacts people a lot. She couldn't cope with the pain. Felicia had fallen so deep into despair that when she didn't respond to phone calls on Saturday, August 24, 2013, her family feared the worst. When you're dealing with someone with a substance abuse problem, you're always worried about the possibility of an overdose or an accident. So that afternoon, Felicia's daughter, Quintina, turned to the police. I'd like to file a missing person report, please. It's my mom, Felicia Spann. 
Now, just three days later, on August 27th, homicide detectives suspect the woman found by the church deacon is Felicia Spann. The body had been there for days, so it was badly decomposed. At the time we discovered the remains, we couldn't confirm whether it was her or not. However, we did have a strong belief. The woman appears to be the victim of a single gunshot wound to the head. But is this woman Felicia Spann? And if so, how is it possible she suffered the same fate as her daughter? You always want to go a little bit further, dig deeper to see, is there really a connection? Three years after her daughter's murder, 41-year-old Felicia Spann was still battling with her loss. Felicia Spann was definitely a woman who had endured tragedy. She was a mother that endured pain. But now, detectives in Jackson, Mississippi, suspect Felicia may have suffered the same fate as her daughter. A church deacon found the decomposing remains of an African-American woman dumped on their property near the lake. There had been an official missing person report filed for Felicia Spann about three days before the discovery of these remains. Is it Felicia? Detectives can't say for sure. The body was in advanced stages of decomposition at the time that she was discovered. So they try to, you know, find out how this body ended up in this church property, why it would have been there. But for the moment, Detectives can't rule out the possibility that the victim had been killed somewhere else. Hoping to determine if the victim was dumped or killed at the scene, CSI searched the surrounding area. The first thing we started looking at is, were there any tire tracks leading up to the body? Because we have to decide if the body was actually dumped. Take a look and take photos to see were there any different tire markings, dragging marks, and so on and so forth. This crime scene was large. We collected every piece of evidence that we believed to be connected to this incident. And at that point, of course, the coroner comes and is packaging up the body. We believed that the remains were that of Felicia Spann. Of course, we had to await the final ruling from the coroner and the medical examiner. While the coroner's team works, detectives canvass the area. Police talk to the deacon at the church and try to find out, does anybody know who this is? Where did she come from? The deacon said that it had been a week since he had last checked on the property. Interviewing adjacent property owners also yields little information. None of the neighbors had recalled seeing anything unusual during this time. Detectives appear at an impasse. But the next morning, the coroner's report confirms their victim's identity. The fingerprints were analyzed, and they did come back to Felicia Spann. In addition to establishing Felicia's identity, the autopsy confirms another of the detective's suspicions. The cause of death was a gunshot wound to the back of the head. Jackson homicide detectives now have conclusive evidence of a murder. When you're shot in the back of the head, that's pretty much an execution every time. But for now, the other evidence collected at the scene offers little in the way of leads. And the autopsy did not reveal any recent sexual activity 
ruling out a possible sexual assault. There were bed sheets and linen found around the body. Uh, the condom was found as well, but we ruled this out during the course of the investigation. We didn't believe that they had any bearing on the murder. Detectives' next step is contacting Felicia's family. Police had the duty of letting Felicia's family know that she had been murdered. I've conducted several hundreds of death notifications during my career. And I can tell you, it's not an easy thing for the individual that's delivering the news that these remains had positively been identified as Felicia Spann, and we were conducting a murder investigation. While the news of Felicia's death is devastating, they had been preparing for this moment for some time. The family knew all about Felicia's descent into drug abuse. Her daughter is the one that had reported her missing prior to the discovery of the remains. But the news that Felicia had been murdered and not overdosed is an unexpected shock. This was double devastation because Felicia had also lost her daughter in a similar fashion. In fact, Felicia's mother and daughter are both too distraught to answer more than a few questions. The mother couldn't give us really too much information other than the last time that they saw her was Friday. They did know that Felicia Spann had gone out with some friends on that Friday night. Detectives arranged to speak with Felicia's daughter more in depth the next day, once she's had time to recover from her shock. In the meantime, the details of Felicia's murder are strikingly similar to her daughter's, leaving detectives to wonder if the two crimes were connected. Being a homicide detective, you always kind of get that feeling. Her daughter's murder is still an open case, and the killer is out there somewhere. Could the same person who killed Felicia's daughter come after Felicia as well? Detectives need to find out who was the last person to see Felicia alive. But when detectives get a lead on who that is, the investigation will reveal a different side of Felicia Spann. There are parts of herself that she had kept secret from our family. Police in Jackson, Mississippi are investigating the murder of 41-year-old Felicia Spann, found dead in a church-owned recreation area three years after the still unsolved murder of her teenage daughter. Her mother then, a few years later, is shot in the head as well. And so the question becomes, could those two things be related? You always want to go a little bit further to see or to dig deeper to see, you know, is there really a connection? After talking to Felicia's family, detectives pull the files on her daughter's murder. Her daughter was killed in the West Jackson area. The daughter's boyfriend, Jawan Moore, who was the original suspect in that case, still lives in the area. Because of her daughter's murder, we tried to see if we could connect the two. But after reviewing the files, it appears to be a dead end. There was just no evidence or anything to make us believe that the two of these incidents had been connected. They were just both unfortunate tragedies. However, while the murders don't appear directly connected, that doesn't necessarily mean they're unrelated. 
they were connected in that Felicia Span dealing with that grief and trauma of losing her daughter. You may have started turning to other things and other people that maybe she wouldn't have associated with beforehand. Hoping one of those new associates might be the key to solving the case, detectives try to identify the last people who'd been in contact with Felicia. As usual in a homicide investigation, police did search her phone and her phone records. Felicia made her last outgoing call late on Friday night. Since Felicia disappeared the following Saturday, detectives figure she must have been killed sometime late Friday or early Saturday morning. But that final call was only one of multiple calls Felicia had made that evening. Those phone numbers were very important because these are known individuals that Felicia Spann spoke with at the time and prior to her being reported missing. She called the phone numbers back to back to back to back, which led us to believe that she was trying to get somewhere. She was looking for a ride. She may have stayed with friends, and these individuals may have had knowledge of her last known whereabouts. Therefore, we considered them to be key people during the course of the investigation. However, there's one number on the list that won't be easy for detectives to identify. One of those was a burner phone. It was a number that went to a prepaid cell phone. Could that number be connected to the killer? When detectives track the number down, their suspicions deepen. By the time police were able to call it, it had been disconnected. The burner phone appears to be a possible lead, but the priority for detectives is to speak with Felicia's daughter, Quintina, to see if she can shed light on the people Felicia had been in contact with. We end up talking to her daughter to actually get an approximate time she left the house and who did she talk to in reference to where did she go. Felicia's daughter says she'd last spoken to her mother early Friday evening. Did she say anything was wrong? Any problems? No, it was a Friday night. You know, everything was good. Her mom had been hanging out with some friends. The daughter was able to identify some of the telephone numbers of the individuals that she believed to have been hanging out with as well. Some of those people, she would have been better off not knowing. What do you mean? They just weren't good for her. Felicia's daughter explained that her mother had fallen in with a rough crowd in the years after her sister's murder. The death of her daughter took a toll on her over the years and ultimately led to some type of substance abuse. That's why I was so worried when I couldn't get in contact with her. I thought something might have happened to her. Her daughter did give us a wealth of information for us to follow up on, to go back and trace some of the whereabouts, locations, and individuals that uh, Felicia Spann had been affiliated with prior to her being reported missing. Felicia's daughter mentions one person in particular, a man named Jeremy Floyd. Quintina knew Jeremy was friends with her mother, and he even had Quintina's number but she didn't know if they were intimate or if Felicia had a boyfriend at all. There are parts of herself that she had kept secret from our family. Floyd is one of the people that detectives have already identified from Felicia's phone records. The daughter advised that she had been in contact with Jeremy Floyd. In fact, she says that Jeremy called several times that Saturday asking about her mom. According to Felicia's daughter, Floyd had even come by her apartment on Sunday. 
I was wondering if you heard from Felicia. Jeremy Floyd no, did again. seem to portray a suspicious type of behavior. He had been asking several questions to Felicia Spann's daughter, trying to get information from her. It's almost as if he was trying to figure out if Felicia had been reported missing and if the police were looking for her. All Felicia's daughter knows for sure is that Floyd called her again on Tuesday evening. Yeah, he called me right after it was on TV. He asked me if it was my mom. Was Jeremy genuinely concerned about Felicia, or was he worried because he already knew she was dead? Detectives investigating the murder of 41-year-old Felicia Spann have just received what appears to be a promising lead about a man named Jeremy Floyd. Jeremy Floyd called Felicia's daughter after hearing a news report about an unidentified body being found. Detectives were wondering, why would he immediately think it's Felicia? Unless he already knew she was dead. We believed at the time that he had a wealth of information or knowledge as it relates to her death. However, finding Jeremy Floyd proves difficult. Detectives left him several messages and went to the address they found for him, but they were unable to reach him. Still hoping to hear back from Floyd, detectives move on to the other names that Felicia's daughter gave them. Felicia had been in close contact with several people that day, and you have to try and figure out who would have seen her last. One of the first people they speak to is a man named Aaron Blake. Aaron tells detectives that he last saw Felicia on Friday night. There's a bunch of people over here just talking and having a few drinks, but Felicia, she didn't stay very late. They were all having a good time, hanging out, and Felicia wanted to have maybe a little bit more fun. They don't know where she was going, but they know she wanted to leave. She wanted to leave about 7 o'clock that evening. She did try to get one of them to take her somewhere. She also made several phone calls. She was on her phone trying to get somebody to come pick her up. Blake's story fits with what detectives already knew from Felicia's phone records. Do you remember her talking to somebody named Jeremy Floyd? No, I don't remember him. There's only one name that Blake remembers, one detectives haven't heard before. I know she called a dude named Donovan. Could Donovan be the person with the suspicious burner phone? Aaron doesn't know. All he can tell detectives for sure is that Felicia never found the ride she was looking for. When she couldn't get anybody to pick her up, she, you know, set out on foot. Blake says he has no idea where Felicia was heading. To detectives, it's clear there are multiple men in Felicia's life, but so far, none of them seems to be romantically connected to her. But finally, they track down one of the men, who they hope can answer the question of what happened to Felicia Spann. The following morning, detectives finally heard back from Jeremy Floyd who agreed to come in for questioning. Once Floyd sits down with detectives, he claims that he has nothing to hide. He admitted that he called Felicia's daughter and had gone by her house, but it was only because he was worried about Felicia. So why are you so worried about Felicia? Because I tried calling her. I didn't hear back from her. 
Jeremy says that they typically spoke almost every day and that Felicia depended on him for rides, but that they were friends and nothing more. He would pick her up and they would go places and different drug houses and things like that. Is that where you went Friday night? We didn't go anywhere. We just drove around. Jeremy claims that while they were driving around, Felicia was on the phone trying to meet up with someone else. Do you know his name? Nope. She just said to drop her off and that she had somebody pick her up later. Where did you drop her off? He was able to direct them to a home on Tennessee Street. Tennessee Street is a high crime area in Jackson, a real hot spot for drug and gang activity. Is Jeremy telling detectives the whole story? With no evidence tying him to Felicia's murder, they decide to follow the lead he's given them. When detectives visit the address on Tennessee Street, Jeremy's story appears to check out. It did turn out that this was a drug house. If this house is where Jeremy dropped off Felicia, then this explains why he would be worried about her and might suspect the body on the news was Felicia. But tracking Felicia to a drug house may make finding her killer that much harder. When you're dealing with people who are involved with drugs, they don't want to tell us all the information that they have, bits and pieces of it, but never all of it. Unfortunately, the investigation stalls at the house on Tennessee Street. The case dragged on for months and months. It was starting to get stale. We're thinking, is anyone going to be arrested in the murder of Felicia? It's an agonizing thought for Felicia's family. For family, if it's not leading to any type of justice, that's hard because you want to know what happened to her. I can't imagine how much harder this is for Felicia's family because they've been through this before, about three years earlier with Felicia's daughter. To have two murders in one close-knit family and neither of them be solved, the family was just dealing with so much. By late November 2013, Felicia Spann's murder is looking more and more like it will remain unsolved. The media talked about a cold case because police were playing it close to the vest while they didn't have a suspect. But will a single phone call turn this cold case red hot? A defense attorney called and said that he had a client who was willing to share what happened to Felicia. It just, it just happened so fast. All I know, I've seen a cocky thing and the gun went off. He said he knows who murdered her. Three months after a church deacon discovered Felicia Spann murdered on the outskirts of Jackson, Mississippi, detectives investigating the murder fear the case is going cold. This incident happened in August. We didn't get a break on the investigation until November. The break comes on November 26th. A defense attorney comes forward and says, I've got a client who says that he witnessed a murder if you guys will give him immunity, we would be glad for him to tell you what he saw. The offer puts detectives in a bind. People are reluctant to talk to police, so we have to get information any way we can. But they were also dealing with the murder, and since he was asking for immunity, 
it sounded like their informant could be involved. The police come back and say, we can't promise that. You've got to go ahead and tell us what you know. Despite refusing to offer upfront immunity, the attorney arranges for his client to come in for an interview. The man is 48-year-old Donovan Walker, a name that's already been brought up in the investigation once. I know she called a dude named Donovan. Once in the interrogation room, he tells the investigators that he was a friend of Felicia Spann. They had done drugs together, and they had, at some point, had an intimate relationship. Although Donovan says it was drugs that brought Felicia to his place late on the Friday night that she disappeared. She may have called and told me she was at my back door. Donovan Walker lives there on Tennessee Street and was able to confirm to the police that that burner phone was his. She was trying to get rid of some marijuana. Donovan tells police that he let Felicia come inside to make a drug trade. He says the only other person in the house was his girlfriend, 34-year-old Hanifa Muhammad. According to Donovan, Hanifa was in the living room hanging out when Felicia arrived. Donovan says that while he and Felicia worked out a deal for the marijuana, Hanifa excused herself to the bedroom. I had a piece of dope, you know, and uh, I swapped a crack for the marijuana. And she hit the uh, crack, sitting right there. Donovan says that was when the trouble started. Donovan said every time Felicia would get high, her personality would change. Donovan expressed to us that whenever she used drugs, that she would get kind of out of her mind a little bit. She gets in that state, it's like a Dr. Jekyll mishap. According to Donovan, that may have explained what Felicia supposedly did next. She went in there to the bedroom where my girl was laying down asleep. Oh, uh, when she gets the crack and everything, she like women, you know. She like she like what now? She like women, you know. Everybody know it know that. Donovan said when Felicia would get high, their inhibitions were lower. He said that Felicia Spann had made some kind of a sexual advance toward Hanifa Muhammad. She went and slapped my girl on the head in a sexual manner, I guess. At least that's what Hanifa thought Felicia was doing. And Hanifa became enraged. I run in there. And my girl had jumped up. I said, we well, got to go. Donovan says that while he and Felicia argued, Hanifa decided to escalate the standoff. She went and got a gun. She said she was going to scare out now, well, she wouldn't come back. But according to Donovan, things didn't go exactly as Hanifa intended. She was going to shoot in there and make it tell don't come back there no more. But when she went up with the gun like this, the gun went off. The gun went off and shot Felicia in the back of the head. Donovan claims Felicia had been killed instantly. Once she had died, the two of them had to figure out what to do. I said, we need to call the police. She said, no, what, you going to snitch on me? I said, snitch on you? This girl today? I didn't bring her in this house. You did. She said, what you need to do is help me uh, dispose of this body. 
being that they're in a relationship, he says that he followed her orders. What happened after that? We, we moved the body. He helped Muhammad wrap Span's body up in plastic, and they took it out to the church and uh, dumped it. Donovan also claims that after they left Felicia on the church grounds, he got rid of the gun. He threw the um, murder weapon in an open field. We were unsuccessful in locating the weapon at that time. Even without the murder weapon, the police and prosecutors are convinced they have a solid case. Based on information that he gave us, we believe that to be enough evidence to secure a warrant for him for the charge of murder. The prosecutor figured it was the first step towards leveraging a deal with Donovan, plead guilty to a lesser charge in return for a testimony against Hanifa Muhammad. But first, the case against Donovan will have to go before the grand jury. The district attorneys and detectives presented all the evidence they had before a jury and tried to secure a charge against Mr. Walker. The case is dealt an unexpected setback when the grand jury decides there is not enough evidence to charge Donovan Walker with murder. Donovan receives a no bill, which means that he is not going to be charged with the death of Felicia Spann. The police were completely taken aback. But it's even worse for Felicia's family. They've already lived this once. They've already lost one of their loved ones, and it was never solved. And now it looks like there may be no justice for Felicia either. Donovan Walker has told detectives investigating the death of Felicia Spann that his girlfriend, Hanifa Muhammad, accidentally shot the 41-year-old during an altercation in his home. His story was, yes, Miss Muhammad did shoot Felicia. Yes, I did help transport the body. But despite his confession, Donovan Walker remains a free man. The grand jury doesn't think he had anything to do with it, or at least not enough to take him to trial. It was a big shock to detectives. We thought we had a strong case that he should have been charged with murder. The news of Donovan Walker's release is hard for Felicia's family to understand. They're looking at a situation where their loved one has been shot in the head, and there are no answers. But detectives aren't about to give up. Detectives figured their only chance was to bring Hanifa in and see if she cracks when confronted with Donovan's story. Finding Hanifa proves difficult, however. We believe that she had been hiding from the police. It's not until August 12, 2014, almost a year after Felicia's death, that detectives finally track her down. We got a tip that Miss Hanifa was at a location. Officers then went to this location. Come on out. They were able to locate her in a bedroom. We then advised her that, did you know the police that were looking for you? She said, yes, but I figured they don't need to question me because I don't know too much. Despite her initial denial, once back at the station, Hanifa has plenty to tell detectives, and they are shocked with how quickly she reveals the truth. 
she gave us a statement advising that she did shoot Felicia Spann in the back of the head. Well, Hanifa tells police that Felicia Spann did come over and try to exchange drugs. Hanifa's story to police is that they all got a little bit under the influence of alcohol and potentially drugs. Hanifa says that she eventually did head back to the bedroom. I was tired, so I went and lay down on the bed. So you were alone in the bedroom? Yeah, I was at first. Until Felicia came into the room. Hey, girl. Felicia Spann uh, tapped Hanifa Muhammad on the buttocks as if she wanted to have some type of romantic or sexual encounter with her. I just don't do that. Another woman? You know, I I don't do that. So what happened there? Hanifa said that she told Felicia to get out. Hell no. Whoa, what are you get doing? Out. Why don't you just chill out? Hey, what's Boy. going on? Once the argument ensued, Donovan came and kind of dispersed the two. I want her out. Hanifa told the detectives that she got her handgun from her bedroom. I just had it for protection. I thought if she saw it, she'd get scared and just leave. She then was raising the weapon, and the weapon then discharged, shooting Felicia Spann in the back of the head. I didn't mean to kill her. But based on Donovan's account of how enraged Hanifa had been by Felicia's alleged advances, detectives doubt Hanifa's claims that it was an accident. We believe there was an intentional gunshot wound to the back of the head. But whether Felicia's death was an accident or not, there's no denying that Hanifa and Donovan tried to hide what had transpired. No, how are we gonna explain this? Donovan advised that he know where he could take the body. He'd been to the lake on the property owned by the church, so he knew how secluded it was out there. By the time anyone found the body, there'd be no way they'd be able to connect them to Felicia's death. So Hanifa says she helped Donovan wrap the body in a plastic tarp and dump it near the lake. Donovan then took some clothing, shoes that he had on that were bloody from Felicia's blood, dumped them in a dumpster, telling Miss Hanifa that nobody needs to know about this. Detectives aren't sure who's telling the truth. While speaking with Donovan, um, he gave me kind of the sense of he's just trying to beat Hanifa to the punch. It's pretty clear Donovan hoped coming forward voluntarily might be enough to keep him out of prison. However, between the two statements, there is no doubt that it was Hanifa who fired the fatal shot. The case was tight on actually who pulled the trigger. And this time, the grand jury agrees. She was charged with a second degree murder. Hanifa pled guilty. She was sentenced to 40 years in prison with 20 years suspended and 20 years to serve. It brought a lot of closure to know that someone was gonna be serving some time for Felicia Spann's murder, where her daughter, there's still no arrest in the case. Donovan Walker, who helped Hanifa hide Felicia's body, has never paid a price for what he did either. And while Felicia's murder has been solved, 
the outcome does little to dull the pain of losing her. It was a senseless killing. You pulled the gun out just to scare someone, and someone actually ended up losing their life. And that's, it's just senseless. Losing your daughter in that manner and then dying the same way makes it to me even more of a tragedy. If you or a loved one are struggling with substance abuse or mental health issues, there is help available. Call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration at 1-800-662-HELP.